everybody. I'm Gary Ebersol. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. Welcome to Camp Codger, a podcast for people in their golden years. Join us to hear rocking chair wisdom from three old guys. In today's episode, we're going to talk about forks in the road we might have taken. An interesting topic that I think all of us think about occasionally. Before we get started, we're going to talk about some codger moments. And guess what? The codgers had some serious codger moments today getting ready for this episode. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Richard, why don't you start with your codger moment? Guys, I was so ready for this episode. I came in here 20 minutes early, set everything up. You know, everything was just ready to go. Uh, sitting here thinking about the topic, plug into our uh, system. Gary says, I can't hear you. You sound like you're talking through a tunnel. I go, gee, I can't figure out what's wrong. I'm, everything's lined up right, just right. And then I said, my microphone is in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. And Randy, this has been an amazing episode. None of us had <laughs> already, a start. Already. I turned on everything thinking, uh, okay, I'm ready to go. And my computer completely froze. It just locked <laughs> up. So not only did I have to turn it off, I had to unplug it. And then the computer said, oh, who are you? So I had to reprogram me. It's like, give me a break, technology. <laughs> and I'm the geek, right? Kind of my hobby is fun for me, except today. And I'm cruising along doing something, and I'm thinking, my computer's really slow. Really, really slow. Something's really weird. But we're like 15 minutes before the episode starts, and I got to get everything set up. So I had to reboot my computer. Thank goodness it worked. And then I'm ready to go, and then Richard comes in, and the round robin starts. <laughs> anyway, yeah. This was clearly a classic of three old codgers trying to get their computers to work. And sometimes it's hard. Oh, yes. I'll bet somebody out there in podcast land can relate to that. I'll bet anybody that's recorded a podcast online can say, oh, yeah, we know what you guys are going through. Richard, today you're going to lead us in a discussion on forks in the road we might have taken. Most of us, I dare say, don't know our life's roadmap at a young age. Mozart composed his first music at age five. Albert Einstein mastered geometry and took on calculus at 12. But many of us have struggled to figure things out. I didn't know I wanted to be a newspaper journalist until about age 35. And I became a dad for the first time at 40. You are a late starter, Richard. I'm, I am late. I am late. All along life's road, there are important events and choices that take place, forks in the road that absolutely change where your journey goes. In career or profession, in love, in financial success, in where you choose to call home, in health. Sometimes you engineer a fork. You plot, you plan to change things. Other times it sneaks up on you and clonk! Your future is determined in an instant. Let me give you an example. Your boss says a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity has come up, but it will require you to move to another city or even another country. You're going to uproot your life, friends, family, routines you've come to enjoy and expect. But the opportunity offers career advancement, more income, a world of new experiences. It will clearly change your life and that of your family. What do you do? In this case, you and your family get to make the choice. 
But what if it's not your choice? It's something that happens. A health issue, a parenting issue, a relationship issue, a layoff or unwelcome job assignment. How do you respond to that fork in the road where the arrow is telling you you're heading in that direction whether you want to or not? Just about everyone can identify important forks they've faced in life's journey, and the best advice surely came from baseball great Yogi Berra, who famously said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) We love (laughs) Yogi-isms. Yeah. There are a million of them. So, can you locate a truly memorable fork in your road and how it changed the trajectory of your life? Gary? Actually, I didn't really think about this whole topic too much until Richard suggested we do something along these lines. And then you start looking back. I'm kind of a forward-looking guy, as you know. I enjoy Norman Lear's favorite word, next. Next. Because it keeps you looking forward. It says, what's going to happen next? But when you start looking back, it's kind of fun. And this really is an episode about looking back. So I look at forks in terms of two different kinds of forks. Some of our events, they come to you and you've got to figure out how to handle them. The other is the created forks. Probably most memorable forks in the road was when I made a decision when I was a senior in college to take the law school aptitude test. Mm. Now that was a probably not the most significant fork because they ended up taking the test, scored really well. I think it was in the 93rd or 94th percentile and that with a hangover too. So, but you can clear. (laughs) That's what the world needs. Another drunk lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it shows you how serious I was, but I scored well and I'm thinking now I got to make a decision. Do I go to law school? This is in the early 70s. You know, the hippie movement is is in full force. And we're all trying to figure out a place for ourselves, a direction for ourselves. So I decided I'm going to apply to three law schools. And I decided I'm only going to apply to the best law schools in the country. And if they don't take me, I'm not going to be a lawyer. Well, I'm not a lawyer, so you can guess what happened. (laughs) I applied to... Stanford, Harvard, and one other, maybe Columbia or something like that. They were never going to take me. Just because you get a good LSAT score doesn't mean you're a shoe-in. If I would have applied to the University of Washington, I'll bet I would have got accepted. And then I would have been a lawyer for the rest of my life. Anyway, that was my memorable (laughs) fork in the road that I took. It's a good one. Randy? I have one. I was a young urban professional, a yuppie. Yeah, there you go. In the Los Angeles area. And I became a father. And my infant son slept a lot. There were days when I'd get up in the morning, oh, dark hundred, get on the road and drive south from Oxnard, California to West LA, which on a good commute was 60 minutes. That was a good morning. Work all day, then come back, drive up Pacific Coast Highway, which was the best part of the commute. But, you know, sometimes coming back, it was an hour and a quarter. There were days when I never saw my infant son awake. Mm. I'm in my early 30s. I've got the corporate world by the tail. At least it feels like it. Everything's going well. And I'm just not enjoying it the way I thought I was supposed to. I can't tell you how tough it is to have your firstborn child asleep. (laughs) 
every time you see him. <laughs> I came to the the realization that something had to change. Mm. And so my wife and I started looking for places to live, go on vacation and prospect for a place to live. Uh, we ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which was a mm. smaller community and afforded me the chance to not have to commute so far, have a decent lifestyle in a town that felt like it was very family friendly. So that was a fork in the road where it was a conscious decision. Mm. I'm really glad I made that choice. I can't even imagine what my life would be if I hadn't made that choice. But when you saw the fork, you and your wife had to do a lot of planning to figure out where the road would lead, right? Oh, absolutely. It was a big deal. That was a life-changing decision. It didn't happen quickly or easily. The fork in the road was, do I make my first priority working in yes. my corporate life mm -hmm. or family? And when it came down to it, I chose family. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Your fork, Richard. Well, I have to say my most important fork experience was at relatively early age of 19. I was accepted into a student exchange program in Denmark. I was on scholarship at the time, a pre-med scholarship, and I had this fuzzy little life plan that I would become a doctor. I would stay in my hometown of Topeka, Kansas. I would marry there. I would live in a nice neighborhood there. I would raise a family there, join the country club, and have a nice life. Well, then I went to Denmark, and I did that with a whole bunch of doubt. It was my mother who said, Dick, we have talked about this. We have told all our friends that you're going. So guess what? You're going. So <laughs> I went about the experience, uh, first time on a plane, first time in a foreign country, first time in a hearing foreign languages spoken on a daily basis. Everything was different, every single thing. But in the end, it opened my eyes to all different ways of seeing life and a different society, a different culture, a different political situation. The result was that I changed my mind about my life's goals. I resolved two things, that being a medical doctor was, was not for me and going back to my hometown was not for me. And I came home after eight months in Europe, told my folks I was heading to California for college. The remainder of my life was spent in California. I never looked back on that as a wrong path. That's interesting. You you came to a fork in the road, and your mother made the choice for you. <laughs> she no, pushed me no, on the plane. No. That, no, but that's not uncommon. You come to these forks in the road, like you graduate from high school, right? And I think I want to hang out and do nothing for a few years. Oh, no, no, you're going to college. So people well, do make decisions for you when you come to a fork in the road, particularly family, when you're younger. I don't know if you did this, Randy, you never go off in a room by yourself and make all these momentous decisions. You talk to people, right? Absolutely. If you're smart, you do. <laughs> you know, yeah. these, these are big decisions. And, and, and if you're not bit, smart, you're Gary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, that was a comment I was going to make a little later about how stupid I must have seemed with some of the decisions I made. Now well, we're teasing Gary, but the truth is we don't walk through life alone. We've got family members, yeah, we've yeah. got friends, we've got exactly. all kinds of advisors. If we want to get some input, people are happy to tell you what they think, right? They are. In some of your most important life decisions, what were the bottom line criteria that you guys had 
what in the end determined the outcome? Was it a positive, I'm going to do this because these 12 things are important? Or did you just kind of fall into the road that you ended up taking? <laughs> I don't want to say I just fell in the road. <laughs> did you sounds, stumble sounds... in the road? <laughs> Lots of times. Stumbling was a common hazard on the road. It's a life trait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, uh, some of these decisions kind of get made in stages, too. They're not all as big as me deciding to move to another state because the path I'm on didn't look like what I wanted for my life. Sometimes it's incremental. You can change jobs two or three or four times in order to get to where your path actually takes you. Well, that's and, true. It's not it's, a straight line. It yeah. doesn't have to be a straight line. I was never very analytical. I don't believe that. I'm for no, honest to God, I know I'm Mr. Geek and I love my evidence and I love my data. But when it came to making these life decisions that presented themselves, I'll have to admit that I never once sat down with a sheet of paper with pluses on the left and mm -hmm. minuses on the right. And I changed jobs all the time. I worked for probably at least a dozen different companies over wow. the course of my career, maybe more. They probably had 20 or 25 different jobs in various companies. Mm. So I was willing to make decisions all the time. And it was with a lot of serendipity. Hey, this feels good. And when my wife and I made decisions, where are we going to live? I recall one time 40 years ago, we were living in Seattle. She said, I want to move back to California. Within 30 days, I had a job in California. She had a job in California. And we were out of there. Oh, my God. No, wow. We bought a house on impulse one time. We were living in California, Palo Alto. We decided to go up the city for a picnic in Golden Gate Park. Nothing else to do. Had a nice picnic. Decided to drive through a few neighborhoods. Saw an open house. Stopped at the open house. This beautiful 1920s era house in the Marina District was mm. for sale. And it just called to us. We made an offer. Oh, that day? That day. Oh, we God. hadn't planned on moving to the city. I think my <laughs> wife had planned on moving to the city, but she didn't tell me. <laughs> Gary, I didn't know you were so West Coast. I am a West Coast guy, 100%. Anyway, I really am not very analytical, I'll have to say. When it comes to making those kind of decisions, they tended to be more emotional, intuitive, what felt good. Mm. And kind of turned out. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Richard? How do you make your decisions? I think I'm a true Midwesterner that way. I am cautious and conservative yeah. in decision-making. The one that most comes to mind, I lived in Santa Barbara after I uh, graduated from college there. I lived there for a, almost a dozen years. I had every kind of job. I taught community college classes. I wrote freelance articles. I worked for a magazine, but I didn't make any money. I mean, I was a poor person among the wealthy. It finally hit me that as much as I loved living there and loved being able to bike to the beach and play two-man beach volleyball every day, that I was spinning wheels. I wasn't going anywhere. Could I see myself doing the same thing in 10 years or 20 years? It was a fork. And, I, and so I plotted it out. And I wrote five or six letters a week to different journalism outfits on the West Coast. I got two returns. One of them I discussed stuff with, the other one invited me down, and that was the San Diego Union. And in 1980, after a dozen years in Santa Barbara, which I dearly loved, I left town. Only after 
careful decision-making, a careful kind of plotting out of where my life was going and where it had to change. You know what's interesting? You described this Midwestern, very careful, very cautious approach. And I think one of the reasons I wasn't cautious is I was always afraid that if I made that truly thoughtful decision, looked at the pluses and the minuses and what the risks were, you'd end up not making a change. That kind of analysis yeah. leads to stasis. You know the life you're living better than you know the life that might become. So you say, well, all things balanced. I think I'm just going to stay here. Now, living in Santa Barbara mm -hmm. on the beach, come on. That was an easy decision. But you know, you wouldn't have gotten your marina house had you been like me. Oh, no. I'd never gotten that house as much as I would have fallen for it. I have a question for you guys, because so far we've talked about the kind of big decisions, the big forks in the road that tend to not only define your life based on the choice, but you really have to you really have to ponder them. It's a big deal. Have you ever had a fork in the road that just kind of popped up? You see those on, on movies and in books where somebody needs to make a choice in the moment. You can sit back as the viewer or the, the reader and see how, man, that was a fork in the road for that character. Have you ever had a moment like that? I had one major one. I was at the end of a PhD program at finished my PhD calls, was working on my dissertation, get a call from the dissertation advisor telling me that the committee we'd assembled wasn't happy with the direction of my dissertation. And I said, what do you recommend? I recommend you trash it and start over after eight months of work on it. I came home to Santa Barbara, utterly depressed, was sitting in my house with the lights off. And this friend of mine drives up and he said, well, you want a really good job? He said, there's an opening for a junior fellow at this think tank I work for here in the hills in Montecito. Would you be interested? It was like a lifeline. And I said, yes. I went out, interviewed for the job, got the job. And the next 18 months of my life were spent in this airy at the top of Montecito in the, among the eucalyptus thinking great thoughts. I had a person who turned out to be a fork in the road. Hmm. I had moved to New Mexico I was uh, cobbling together a, a career. In the process, I came in contact with a, a marketing director for a company back in uh, Philadelphia. They made tillers, the Mantis Tiller Company. And this guy, <laughs> I had approached him and many other companies about being in a directory of eco-friendly products that I was putting together. Mm -hmm. And he wrote back a really personal sort of nice response when it wasn't required. He said, um, I really like what you're doing, but I'm not sure our product fit with what you're doing. I had this little light bulb go off in my head and it's like, hey, okay. I wrote him back and said, well, you know what? I can do some really good work for you. It doesn't have to be in the context of this project. He turned out to be one of the great mentors of my work life. Because of him, I went down a path of creating marketing programs and whatnot for garden-oriented companies. Bob Bell, if you're listening to this, <laughs> oh, thank you sweet. very much for reaching out to me in a way that was unexpected in a time when I really needed it. Because you were a fork in the road I didn't see coming, but I'm really glad I took it. I actually did a classic fork in the road. We were literally traveling in the early aughts. My first wife had taken an early retirement and then, sadly, diagnosed with cancer right after that. 
And we were trying to decide what to do. We ended up ultimately saying, we're going to leave Northern California. We bought an Airstream trailer, Mm. bought a truck, and we started traveling. And our goal was to find a place to live. And we traveled for six months. So we were essentially taking forks in the road every day. Our ultimate goal was to find a place to live. And we traveled around the Western United States. What we did is essentially create forks. And <laughs> I love it. Make those decisions and then go down another fork in the road. And this is how we ended up in Santa Fe 17 years ago. Well, we, you know, we've talked about all the positive forks. Are there any regrets that we have? Any forks that you took that didn't turn out the way you'd hoped? Well, when I was 11 years old, I decided (laughs) to retire from Little League Baseball. And because of that, I never got the call from a uh, talent scout for the Dodgers or the Yankees. And I I never had that baseball career that could have changed my life. I got to tell you, Randy, I saw that swing. I had a swing, boy. I had a good swing. Uh, the coach had me sitting on the bench for two seasons in Little League. He made a decision for me. I wasn't going to be a Major League Baseball player. Maybe it was just the coach. Maybe you had it in you, but it was the wrong coach. No, no. I Trust me, I did not have it in me. I was never destined to be a baseball player. Richard, that's a good question. Did I have any regrets? And my response is, I typically don't have regrets. Again, I go back to my forward-looking, favorite word is next, because I just didn't want to go back and revisit decisions. And and then you just ruminate endlessly. Well, if I would have done this, I would have been richer. I would have been happier. My life turned out pretty good. I joined the computer industry when it was primarily mainframe computers. And up until a few years ago, I was programming little microcomputers the size of a quarter. I don't have any regrets. I made a decision not to go to law school, and then I get to spend a happy 40 years in an industry that I really had a grand time with. Yeah. As we get older, do you guys think we're going to have big forks in our road? Really good question. The answer, I think, is... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got some big forks coming up. We talked about retirement communities. Mm-hmm. And health issues. Health right. issues. Those are, gonna, those are imposed forks. Those are imposed forks, but they are looming. Randy, you talked about determining where you want to live this mm-hmm. next sector of your life. And it wants to be warm, right? My body wants it to be warm. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> One of the things that's part of my makeup is I, I like Gary, I look forward, find myself looking forward now and trying to avoid the forks that might be not pleasant Mm, and health issues. I want to make sure that I stay as healthy as possible so I don't have to make one of those major decisions or one of those major decisions kind of gets made for me. It's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I've got to do this. I'm, I'm trying to avoid the ones that are common in our golden years, but are kind of life-changing mm-hmm. at the moment and not for a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to create our own forks rather than wait for the forks to be imposed on us. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know what? In some ways, I want the three of us to look back on the day we all decided to do this podcast, I would Mm -hmm. like that to be a fork in our road that means something 
later in our lives. It's already meant something to me. I really enjoy this. And I would love for that to have been a fork for all three of us. I actually think think it it was. Oh, yeah. In a lot of respects at our age, we don't get many forks left. I mean, we're not working. Our kids are grown up. We live pretty quiet lives. At least I live a pretty quiet life. And when something like this comes up and we get to decide, are we going to jump into this? This is fun, but it's a big undertaking. And we made that decision. I made that decision to say, guys, let's go. I love this. Mm-hmm. And again, what Randy said earlier, it's not a fork avoidance. We're trying to take a fork here, a fun fork, an interesting fork, and not avoiding the forks of later life. Yeah. Aside from uh, doing this podcast today, the fork in my road was this morning. Should I have granola or a bagel with <laughs> cream cheese? <laughs> <laughs> You've got actually four, don't you? You've got, you could have neither. You could be really good to yourself and have neither. You could have one. You could have the other. You could have both. Some of both. Oh, (laughs) that's what the golden years are all about. (laughs) To heck with it. You know, tomorrow morning I'm having apple pie for breakfast. (laughs) Why not? Save a slice for me, pal. Oh, yeah. Love apple pie. If you have thoughts around forks in your road, tell us by commenting on the campcodger.com site. Join us next week when we examine how a long-running Harvard study might provide a few insights on finding happiness in our golden years. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Camp Codger on your favorite podcast app or sign up on our website. As always, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at campcodger at gmail.com or leave a comment in this episode at www.campcodger.com.